Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin Bezos Hashem Shalom Bayer Shir number 373. We were talking about friendship and that marriage is a deep friendship. We talked about three aspects of friendship that needs to be translated into marriage. One of those is, is that they are not um, to control one another, they're not each other's Rebbe or mentor or teacher. And it's very important. That's the first you side. No one bosses each other around. They're equal partners with different roles. And that is one aspect of friendship. The second aspect is that they have fun together, healthy fun. And the third aspect is that they are loyal to each other and they defend each other and they support each other unequivocally 100%. And that we talked about in last year. This year, we're going to talk about a fourth aspect of friendship, and that they are tolerant and forgiving of one another. True friends are tolerant and forgiving of one, of one another. For example, if your wife made a mistake and bounced the check an, again, and you have every right to demand she stopped doing that, but in a successful marriage, it's not about rights and demands. It's about friends working together on the issues in life. And he could say to his Rebbe, but, you know, it's money and it's a serious thing. She bounced another check. I told her so many times. So in a Bezdin, in a court of law, you have a good case. As a friend, though, you're tolerant. You're forgiving. You're nice. And, again, he always points this out, and it's so true. If you look at yourself, there's a lot of things that you do that are difficult for her to handle. And you forget that you're friends. And when you forget your friends, that's when marriage starts to unravel somewhat. What's very important is, like he said very often, I've been seeing Schaefer, that learning to live together requires a great amount of growth. And marriage is far more demanding than any other relationship in that sense. And I heard very important, Yesaid, over here, is that you have opposite views on marriage, as we know. There are people that are very cynical of it, make these jokes all the time, these very cynical jokes. They really have a real negative view on marriage. And then there are others that have a very positive view on marriage. And the truth is, is it all depends on how you, what your attitude is towards your own ego. Because the bigger ego you have, the less you'll like the concept of marriage. Because this marriage is Hashem's opportunity given to you to suspend your ego, to, to live with another person in a real, real way more than any other relationship in life. To, to transcend yourself, to go beyond yourself, that it's not all about you. It's about giving of, to another. It's about sacrifice. We talked about healthy receiving as well. So we're not talking about always a one-sided street. But generally speaking, it is a concept of giving and of sacrificing and of going beyond your own ego. And for those people who are connected to their own ego, they tend to view marriage in a very negative light. And the more you're connected to that unhealthy aspects of ego, the more you're going to find marriage difficult. And the more you learn how to suspend your own ego, the more pleasant and more beautiful and transformative your marriage will be. 
So there's a certain idea of accepting your spouse's flaws, which is similar to the process of self-acceptance in your own flaws and in your own life. So he explains that adolescents, teenagers, are very aware of their own flaws and their shortcomings. Many of them are. Some may be blinded to it, but many are very self-aware about that. And they learn over time to make peace with who they are, and sometimes they talk to Rabbeim about this. And Rabbeim, who are smart, they give them the wise advice that, yes, you have to always work on your midas, but you can't always change your nature. So, for example, if you were born with to be, a, you know, you, you have a temper, it's not something that someone put into you. You can't blame yourself for having that netia, that tendency towards anger. It's not something, it's Hashem put it there. You didn't put it there. You're responsible to work on your anger, yes, but you didn't create that anger. And the same thing, uh, you're, you're, if you happen to be a stingy, a somewhat stingy, it's, it's, you have a difficult time giving or giving tzedakah or whatever it is. So you're responsible on working to become generous. But you didn't create your stingy nature. You have to work on it. You did not create your lazy nature. Hashem put it in you. You have a tendency towards laziness. But you need to work on it. So the flaw itself is not a source of shame. This is something very, very important. We talked about it when it came to the Indian of sexual uh, pull that people have, husband, men or women. You know, it's more stereotypical with men, but it, for women, this you know, it works as well. The flaw itself, the netia, the pull towards wanting those aspects, wanting to look where you're not supposed to look, and wanting to um, you know, that sexual urge is, a, is something that's built into a person. They are not to be blamed for having that feeling or tendency. Hashem put it there for good reasons. We had in the early part of Ashiurim a series um, about the Ali Shur. Rewolbo, uh, uh you know, wrote about this at length, and the Pachad Yitzhak and others about this concept. The flaws are opportunities for growth. You did not, that does not make you defective. That does not make you unworthy. But Hashem created you with these flaws because you have a lot to accomplish and you're a work in progress. And then when you use it properly, it's a source of bracha. You don't change your nature. You work and transform and transcend your nature. So this idea with yourself applies to your spouse as well. So when you say, I can't take his laziness, or I hate the way she can't keep this house together, you're not acting like a friend. You're stepping out of the commitment of your marriage. You're not being fair, because you don't hold yourself to that same standard of perfection. So, but you're going to say to yourself, "Isn't it? Am I? Am I not right? Isn't a woman's role to take care of the house? Isn't she responsible to have things neat or organized? Or isn't he responsible not to be lazy and to get up for his share and to daven shachris and, and on time and and, and to, to work like a you know and be diligent? You may be right and you may be wrong, but the bottom line is reimahuvim means friends and you're accepting and tolerant of other people's flaws." How many times did he left the socks on the floor? Or how many times did she leave the dishes wherever it is? Doesn't make a difference. You're tolerant regardless.
It's very, very important. And again, he said it, and I talked about it last year, and I'm glad he said it. That doesn't mean that you can't sit with your wife or your husband together and have honest, open discussions about it. Is there anything we could do with each other to make the house somewhat neater um, or, 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 or work on things, whatever it is, things that crop up, not to bury it under the rug? We talked about that a lot. But as a general concept, you're friends, you love each other, you're tolerant of each other, and you're forgiving of each other, and very, very often you look the other way. And when you look the other way and you elevate yourself, they'll often be motivated to become better themselves. So the first rule of friendship is that they don't boss people around. They're life partners, neither is boss. The second one is that they have fun, they enjoy each they spend time with each other in enjoyable ways, and they need to become protective over that time, no matter what's going on, like friends do. Number three is they support each other. Even when your spouse is technically wrong, your job is to defend them. And number four, which we talked about just now, is to be tolerant and forgiving. Every marriage has issues, but as friends, you love each other, you negotiate with each other, you don't try to boss each other around, and you work things through in a beautiful way. Then we're going to start talking today, and we'll probably be mamshechet in the next year, a very, very important concept. When there is fighting to understand what's going on and the dynamic of it, So he gives an example, and we're going to go back to this example because it's a very good one. You have two people that are a typical couple, he says. As an example, they're married, let's say, for two years. Ups and downs, but otherwise things are going well. And they have a certain date now where they go out. And she works full-time, and they agree to meet up at 5.30 after her work and... And to go, and he'll pick her up, and they'll go out on that date night. It's February; it's very cold outside, and the the wife comes out from work at five thirty, waiting outside in the cold. And she's waiting. She looks at her watch. It's five forty five, five forty already. It's five forty five. It's five forty nine, and now she's getting very upset. Where is he? He's a twenty minutes late. About two minutes later, he pulls into the car. So instead of 5.30, it was 5.50 or even 6 o'clock. And she says in a very unpleasant tone, you know, it's freezing out there. And, um, and he says, you know, I'm sorry, I tried to rush. And she goes, I can't believe you're so late. How, you know how long I've been standing there in the cold? And he says, I apologize. I tried my best. I had a report I needed to finish. I guess he, he also was working. And he, she goes, a report? Don't you, you know how cold it is? You don't even care? And he says, well, I'm sorry. You know, why are you getting so bent out of shape? And she goes, you always do this. And then he goes back and says, you know, my boss asked me for a quarterly report. It's a big account. He was waiting for it. I couldn't leave. He says, your boss is waiting and your client is waiting. What about your wife waiting? Do you think she doesn't count? And then he goes, it's not fair. You know it's not like that. And she responds, not fear? What do you mean not fear? You don't give a hoot about anything you don't care about in me. So this is a typical fight. And we're going to go into this fight a little bit and to explain what's really, really going on over here. It's a very fascinating thing. And 
the idea is, again, this happens, it's traumatic. When a chassan and kala get into their first real argument, it's sort of shocking to them very often. And if they don't lack self-awareness or they don't understand what's going on, it could become a, a, a vicious cycle. You need to learn how to stop it. And you need to understand what's going on. The one thing to understand going into a marriage, or if you're married a long time, just to bring this into your consciousness again, is that when two people are emotionally connected to one another, as, a, as in marriage they, they should be, and they are very often, they become extremely vulnerable. That's just the way it is. Which means that they are going to hurt each other occasionally. This is something that we need to plant a seed in our mind to understand this. That because we're both human beings, we could be great human beings, but we will hurt each other on occasion. Not intentionally, but we will hurt each other because we are so close. And but because we are so close, it hurts more. It's not just anyone who acted disrespectfully. It's my own husband, my own wife, who's supposed to be my best friend, who's supposed to be the one who truly, truly loves me. So the pain is very sharp because of who it came from. And this is something, a yesoid, that he says, that one needs to know this going in, and if you're married a long time, to understand this. The person who will hurt you more deeply than anyone else and more than anyone that has ever hurt you before, is your own husband or wife. We're talking about even good, very good marriages with wonderful people. The person who will hurt you the most deeply is your own spouse. The person who will get you more angry than anyone else is your own spouse. The person who potentially could hate you more, or you hate them more than anyone in your life, is your spouse. Does that mean you have a bad marriage? Absolutely not. You could have a very good marriage and a great marriage. But this concept will exist. The reason behind this is because the emotions towards your own husband and wife will automatically be more intense because of the fact that it's the deepest, closest connection. Therefore, the hurt penetrates very, very deeply and causes a tremendous amount of pain. And one needs to understand this. It's not a negative. It's technically really a positive. It's painful. But knowing this is sensitive and knowing why you feel so hurt or betrayed when your husband or wife is not acting the right way, it's not that they're cruel. It's not that they're selfish. It's simply two people that are very close to one another but they're human beings, so they will sometimes say or do things that may hurt each other. They cannot always be in the best mood or at the right frame of mind 24-7. It's just not realistic to expect that. The myla behind this is, is that when you understand the dynamic of a fight, like we talked about and why it happens, then you could avoid them most of the time. And when they do happen, you could repair the damage very, very quickly. That is something important. When you understand why you feel hurt so much, you feel hurt because they're your best friend and you love them and you're vulnerable and that's why it hurts. By knowing this and understanding this and accepting this reality in life, 
and knowing that it's normal to feel this way. It's not that there's something wrong with your relationship intrinsically. I would say even reverse, the more you love each other, the more close you are with each other, the more you work towards each other and you become better people with one another. You could become a better wife to your husband. You become a better husband to your wife. The more that hurt that comes from time to time will feel deep and it'll rip you to shreds inside. But when you know this and you understand this, it transforms those hurts into a tremendous amount of healing. And that is a very, very important side to understand. So we're going to talk more about how these fights work and how to avoid it. But it, one needs to understand, the first idea is, is that it's never, ever one-sided. We don't like to see it that way. When we're in the middle of a fight, we think we're 100% right, and our spouse is 100% wrong. But it's never, ever that way. For example, there'll be times where, indeed, you may be 80% right, and she or he 20% right. Or you may be 100% right, but the way you reacted in the way you interacted with your spouse was wrong. We talked about that as well. So there's always, and it's the hard thing to do when you're in the middle of, you're very upset and you're in an argument, to look in the mirror and realize, okay, it could be my husband, my wife is wrong about these things, but I have to take my part of the responsibility in regards to this uh, disagreement that we're having. So again, so just to reiterate what we talked about over here, we concluded, we talked about the friendship aspects and the fourth aspect that they're tolerant and forgiving of one another. And we reviewed all the four aspects of friendship and to take it very seriously. And then in this year, we started talking about, and we will continue to talk about because it's very important to understand the nature of fights and why it happens. And by understanding this and knowing this, it'll be much easier to know how to handle it, that not only will these disagreements that come up from time to time not cause you to derail your marriage, but in the reverse, by understanding these concepts, you will realize that this is the biggest Pesach to the biggest Bracha and to bring you even closer than you were ever before. So always remember that. As unpleasant as it is when these things occur, one needs to know that if one works through them, understands them, and behaves the right way afterwards, their bond becomes even deeper, much, much deeper. It's a Yisraina or Menachayshech that we see in generally with Bali Tshuva or anyone's personal level of transforming a negative into a positive, where the light that comes from the darkness itself is a much brighter, brilliant light, an eternal light more than the light to begin with. And that's something very important to understand when you're interacting and when you come across these unpleasant aspects in marriage when these fights do occur. Brachan atzlacha.